the title of this brand new series is called Red Flags. Red Flags. And so I'm really excited about red flags. I planted some red flags in the congregation. Look under your seat. If you got a red flag, pull it out for me. Let's see some red flags up in the house. Okay. All right. If you got a... If you didn't get one, you ain't that special. So I'm just, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You're all special. You're all special. If you are, uh, if you're online, give us some red flags in the comments. We're going to do some red flags. Let me, let me share with you a, a working definition of red flags. If you have your notes, go ahead and pull your notes out. If you're joining us online, you can uh, grab these notes on our, on our app and we would love to have you follow along. But today, I wanna, I wanna give you a, a working definition of, of what a red flag is, and this is it. A red flag is a, is a warning sign, it's a heads up of potential danger, or a signal that there's a problem that needs to be addressed. This is, this is a red flag. It's a warning sign, uh, it's, a, it's a, a heads up, hey, there's something on the, on, on, uh, potentially coming your way, or a signal that there's a problem that needs to be addressed. Now, you'll see red flags kind of all throughout used in many different ways. One of the red flags, do I got any NASCAR fans in the house? Any NASCAR people? One, okay, all right. Right here, man, right here. I don't enjoy watching people go around in circles, but this is, this is, this is a NASCAR. If, if in NASCAR racing, some of y'all, I think some of y'all are closet NASCAR fans. You, because nobody said anything, you're like, I'm not gonna, I ain't doing that. No, I ain't doing that. So. This is, uh, this is the red flag at a NASCAR event or, or really any kind of racing event. When that flag comes out, that, that is a warning sign to every driver that's passing by. There is potential danger that's on the track. Be very, very cautious. Then, how many of you love the beach? Got any beach people? Okay, there's more beach people than NASCAR. Okay, all right. So if you love beach, then you would understand what this red flag is. If, when you walk up to the beach and you see this flag right here, this is a don't get in the water because there's either a strong current or undercurrent that you can't see that's potentially dangerous or free willies up in there and you don't want to meet them, okay? Come on, how many y'all remember free willies? That's back in my day, okay. All right, so this is, this is a another version of when you would maybe see a red flag. This past year, though, became a bit of a viral trend that happened because red flags are not just used for NASCAR and used for beaches, but they're also kind of a, a description of what we say when we meet somebody or we're around somebody and they say something, you're like, ooh. Yeah, ever y'all have that moment where you met somebody for the first time and all of a sudden they said something and you're like, mm-mm, red flag, red, you come on somebody, red flag, red flag here, red flag, red flag. And so there was this kind of viral trend that started in the fall of last year, which they started doing these red flag emojis that look a little bit like this. And, and it was used really to start just talking about in the context of relationships or in the context of dating when things happen, hey, there's a, there's a red flag. So I wanna give you some of the red flags that uh, I've seen that I think are absolutely hilarious. And I'm gonna give you some ones that I wrote myself. Um, <laughs> Yeah, y'all gonna get ready for this one. And, uh, and actually, to, to pull it all off, I got myself my own red flags. Okay, so come on in, come on in, right here, right here. 
All right, so let me give you some red flags. Here's a couple red flags that we got for you. Uses two, two, and two interchangeably. Come on, somebody, red flag right here. Red flag. Anybody been in that text and they use two and they shouldn't have used two the way they use the two and you want to correct them on their two? Any English people up in this house? Man, it's too much. T-W-O. <laughs> All right, so here we go. <laughs> Some of y'all getting that. All right. Let me give you another one. Here we go. When they don't text back but always got their phone in their hand when they're with them. Red flag. Red flag right here. You know it. Y'all look at them right now and point. If you got a flag and you know them, point at them. That's them. All the time. Stephen Nassif, where you at? <laughs> this is, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm joking. Since he's been on staff, he's answering more. Okay, so. I think it's because he likes getting paid. So, they when, they, when they don't, watch this one. Green bubbles on the text? That's a green flag. I would say, that's a green flag for me. All you Android people, come over to the dark side. Come on now. Come on, people. Come on. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Okay, let me, let, me, let me give you another one. If you've been dating for a year and you still haven't met their family or friends, red flag. Red flag, red flag. Something's going down. Something, something. It's not, not good, not good. Okay, so I wrote some of my own, all right? Here's some of my own right here. I absolutely love this church, but let me tell you what I hate about the last church. Red flag, red flag, red flag. Listen, when I hear that, I immediately start going, if they say that about him, it's only gonna take a moment when they don't like me and then they're gonna say that about me. So that's a, that's a red flag. And then last one, let me give you my last red flag here, is wait until the quiet part of the service to shout, amen. Red flag, red flag, red flag, red flag. Y'all know y'all gonna wait right till this quiet one too. Y'all gonna do it. All right. <clears throat> so let's go to scripture here. Let's go to scripture. The Bible actually has some to say about this. In Proverbs chapter 27 is gonna be our theme verse for this whole series. And we're gonna look a little bit of this idea of, of red flags. I want you to, to read this with me. We're gonna say these red letters or red, red words with me. I want you to say this with me. It says, a prudent person foresees danger, foresees danger. If you're in the, uh, in the chat, I want you to type that in the chat. Foresees danger, they foresee danger. A prudent person, or, or other translation says a wise person, a smart person, foresees danger, and then not only foresees it, but also what? Takes, Takes precautions. And the simpleton, the simple person, goes blindly on and suffers what? suffers the consequences. Proverbs is telling us is that, that the wise person sees danger, avoids danger, but the simple person acts like there's nothing there and goes right into it and then suffers all of the consequences for acting like something's not there. And when we're talking about red flags, we're talking about this idea that in all of our relationships that there are red flags. There are these things that that maybe are not huge deals as of yet, but if we're not careful, we could be the person that just doesn't wanna deal with it, doesn't wanna talk about it, doesn't wanna address it, and then down the road reap the consequences of not talking about it, dealing with it, or addressing it. And so we're gonna, we're gonna address some things in this series 
uh, to begin looking at what are the red flags in relationships? What does the Bible show us are some red flags in relationships? We're gonna look next week. My wife's gonna be up here with me. We're gonna talk about red flags in marriage. Then the next week, we're gonna talk about red flags in dating. And if you're single in here, things to be looking out for. Uh, in the, the last week, we're gonna talk about uh, red flags in your family. How many of you look at your family and go, there's some big old red flags up in here? Okay, so we're gonna talk about how to address those in the right way. But it's one thing to, to identify red flags. It's a whole nother thing to be wise enough to know how to avoid them, to maybe not even avoid them, but address them so we can solve them. We want red flags to go to green flags. We, this is what we want in our relationships. And so we're gonna look at people throughout scripture and how some of them avoided these red flags, how some of them didn't look at the red flags, but that's where we're going today. So I wanna start today. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, look out for the red flags. Now look at your second choice that you didn't want to say and tell them you might be the red flag. No, I'm joking. Okay, I'm, I'm kidding. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. Have you ever walked into the middle of a movie, your family or whatever is watching a movie or your kids are watching a movie or Someone's watching a movie, you walk into the middle of it, maybe you just got home and you walk into the middle of it and you sit down and then you just start asking questions like, who's that? What are they doing? What's going on? What's happening? Where are you at? Point at the person if that's somebody that does that all the time. Okay, and, and, if, and if you're one, you're the one who's been watching the movie, you wanna say, can you just go in the other room and start the movie over again? I don't wanna pause this and have to explain everything that just happened because when you walk into the middle of a movie, if you don't quite understand who's at play, what's going on, you can be so crazily confused. So today to start the Red Flag series talking about relationships, I think it's only right that we go to the beginning of the movie. Let's go to the beginning. How did God design this in the first place? How did God design relationships? How did God design marriage? How did God design us to be in relationship with one another and to be with him? And so today we're going to go and look at the story of Adam and Eve. If you have your Bibles, you got your notes, you can go to Genesis chapter two. We're gonna begin there in Genesis chapter two, the beginning of creation. God creates everything that we see, the world, the sun, the moon, the stars, the animals. We know he makes man out of dirt, uh, forms a man, breathes life into him, gives the man a job to begin to name all of the animals, to tend the garden, which I always tell all the ladies in here, God gave Adam a job before he gave him a woman. So <laughs> just letting you know. All right. So this is perfection. This is the Garden of Eden. This is... God walking in the cool of the day, hanging out with Adam. Then we know the scripture, I read it actually last week when God said that it's not good for a man to be alone. And I want you to look with me in verse 22 and then verse 24, and it says this. It says, and the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, 
he made into a woman. Come on, if you're by your wife, tell her you're my prime rib. Okay, somebody, all right. So, come on, somebody. All right. My prime rib. You know. All right. So, even though I kind of like fillets more, but he made, watch this, he, and, he, and he brought her to the woman, and the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. This is how God designed it to be. God designed from the very beginning for us to be in relationship with him, no shame, no guilt, no condemnation, no fear. This was, this was God's intent from the very beginning, which by the way, this is what we wanna see continually happen, that, that heaven comes to earth and that we get back to a place of this and this is what God will eventually do one day. He will restore all this. I'm grateful that one day all the brokenness will get back to being like it was in the garden in relationship with him. And this is how it was, but unfortunately, it only lasted two chapters. You get chapter three that comes in and everything gets messed up. It's not as, it's not as good as it started out to be. And I want us to look in Genesis chapter three. We start in verse one and he says this, and now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God really say? Now, can I just say this real quick? When a snake is talking to you, red flag, red flag. Just, just red flag, just want you to know, red flag, red flag. But I want you to notice what, what he says. Notice that, that this serpent, the enemy, we know this is Satan, says, did God really say? We'll get into this a little bit more. Did God really say that, that you must not eat from the, any tree in the garden? Then the woman said to the serpent, well, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say that you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. And look at the response. What does he say? You'll not certainly die. No, 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 you're not, you're not gonna die. You're not gonna die, the serpent says. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes are gonna be opened and, and you're gonna be like God, knowing good and evil. Verse six, he says, and so when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and she ate it. Now, before we harp on Eve about how bad she was, just realize right next to her was her man. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. And let me just pause there just for a moment and just say that oftentimes we can think that sin is the sin of commission, which is that you did something that you shouldn't have done. You broke a law. You said something you shouldn't have said, did something you shouldn't have done. That's called the sin of commission. What Adam did here was just as much a sin, though. It's what we call the sin of omission, which is you didn't do what you should have done. And so we can look at our lives and go, well, I'm a good guy. I'm not doing bad things. Yeah, you might not be doing bad things, but are you doing the right things? Because for Adam, he's standing next to his wife, and as she grabbed whatever fruit it is, which we don't know what fruit it actually is, but as she grabs the fruit, Adam didn't kick, kick it out of her hand. 
He just let her partake of it. He, he sat there and listened to what the serpent said as well. And, and watch what happens. Their eyes of both of them were what? They were opened. And so the, the enemy to a degree was right. When you take of this, your eyes are gonna be opened. And it's true, their eyes were both opened, but it wasn't opened and they became like God. It was opened and then they realized that they were, they were naked, that they were naked. And so what I want us to do today in this message, before we start talking about marriages like we will next week and dating and singleness in the weeks to come and all of our family issues and everything that's going on, today I'm titling this message Red Flags in Me. Because before we can look at everybody else, how many know we first need to look at me? And so that's where we're going to begin today. As we look at the story of Adam and Eve, we're going to look at how do we spot the red flags in me? And so if you're taking notes, we're going to give a couple thoughts here. Number one is this, is that when you look to something or someone to give you what only God can give you, that is a red flag. When you look to something or to someone to give you what only God can give you, red flag, red flag. And if you notice in this passage of scripture that Satan gave these very simple words, did God really say? Did God really say that? And those four words right there got Adam and Eve to believe what the serpent was saying over what God was saying. In that moment, Eve believed the lie, and here was the lie. The lie was that God was withholding something from them. See, if God really loved you, he would let you eat all the fruit of all the trees, but if he said no to that one, it's because when you eat that one, you're gonna be just like God, and you're gonna have all the things that you really want in life, and realize, yet again, they're living in perfection. There is no shame. There is no guilt. There is no sin. They're walking with God. Everything that they could ever want, they have in their life, and yet they somehow buy this belief that they are still lacking something, that God God is withholding something from them. And so, of course, they partake of the fruit because they believe that God is not who he says he is and he's not doing what he says that he can do. They doubted that God had their best interest in mind. And so what they chose to do, here's the red flag, they chose to be their own God. So they chose to look to something, a fruit, to provide for them what only God could provide for them. And this is very important because this is, of course, the first sin. This is when sin actually enters into all of humanity and we have everything that comes. It comes from this moment. And can I tell you, anytime you look to something or someone to provide for you something that only God can give you, you will always be disappointed. Because there is a order that God has called us to live in. It's a divine order that he's called us to live in. We see it in Matthew 6, 33, when, when Jesus says, but, everybody help me, but what? Seek. Come on, say it again. Seek. One more time. Seek. Come on, put it in the chat. Seek first. Seek first. Seek first the kingdom of God and, and his righteousness and all these things will be 
added to you. Christianity is not just a belief system. Christianity is a priority system. Because there's a lot of people that don't mind Jesus being in their life, but he's not first. And Adam and Eve show us that when God is not first in our lives and we put other things first in our life, chaos ensues. And so these two people begin to center their lives around something else other than God. Why does what is first matter? Because what is at the center of our lives, everything goes around it. Whatever's at the center has the opportunity to influence our lives. And many of us have disordered lives because we are out of divine order. It's not that God's not on the list, it's just that God's not at the top. So you come to church and you sporadically maybe, you know, read your Bible or try to spend time with God and it's kind of this like, when I need you, God, I'll know you'll be there for me. But God is more of a back burner God for when all hell breaks loose, then I come and I put him back at the top. But how many know God wants to stay at the top? He is the only one worthy of the top, and he wants to be first. And the Bible says that God, there will be no other gods before me. And any time we put something else ahead of God, our life will be in chaos. And we see this in the story of Adam and Eve. What happens, watch this, what happens when you put your kids first? And then your kids disappoint you, and your kids let you down. Your kid didn't pan out the way that you thought that they would go? What happens when we put our job first and you lose the job? What happens when we put money first and we lose the money? Or maybe we gain tons of money and we lose ourselves in the middle of it. So in April, Lindsay and I will celebrate 19 years of marriage. And yeah, you I don't know if that was a while because we've been married that long or because we look so young and... Uh, so 19 years, I'm married to my best friend, and you'll, you'll hear a lot more about her tomorrow, uh, next Sunday, um, and I'm so grateful for this woman. She's an incredible wife. She's one of the best gifts outside of Jesus ever given to me, and however much she is the most amazing wife I could ever ask for, she's a terrible God. She's a terrible God. And any time I place expectation on her to do something for me that only God can do for me, I put something on her that bears a weight that she can't bear, and I get disappointed every time. Are y'all with me? If I don't find my love, my affection, my approval first from the Lord, and I try to get it from her first, she will never be able to fully satisfy the deep longings inside of me that only God can meet. So watch this. So when this marriage is strained and my relationships are going, is, is not, not good, if I'm looking to her to do everything, to meet every need of mine, to meet every, every, everything that's in my life, then I'm, I'm going to constantly live in this dissatisfaction. And this, this is what happens. This happens all the time. When she doesn't meet that need, then I just start going, well, maybe she's not the one. I need another. And then maybe I need another. And then maybe I need another. Maybe I'm just picking all of the wrong ones. But anytime you put divine expectations on people or things, you will always be disappointed. You will always be disappointed. Some of you are bitter and angry and resentful because the people you loved the most failed you. 
but they are people. They will fail you. They will let you down. They will disappoint you. And, and, and Adam and Eve bought into this lie that somehow God had failed them, that God wasn't doing what he says that he can do. And so they took matters into their own hands to try to, try to be like God and try to be satisfied and try to have something when they had everything that they ever needed from God. And see, watch this. The way you, the way you avoid being disillusioned is to never be illusioned. What I mean by that is the illusion that my dad will never fail me, the illusion that this person will never drop me, the illusion that my kids will never disappoint you. How many know if you're married, they're gonna disappoint you? Come on, if you have kids, they're gonna disappoint you. If you uh, listen, if we put our hope in people or in things, we will always be disappointed. And every human being has a desire to be loved and accepted, and the only person that can do that without disappointing you is God. Watch this, and we have to start here, because the number one essential to healthy relationships is a God-first life. The number one essential to healthy relationships. Man, our relationship's just so bad. Well, let me ask you the question. Is God at the top? Is God at the top? If God is not at the top, I can tell you why your life is in chaos right now. Because God has to be at the top of everything that we do in our lives. And so red flag number one for Adam and Eve was when they begin to look for something or someone to give them what only God could give them. Let me give you red flag number two. We're looking inwardly, right? We're, we're starting here. Number two is when you are constantly trying to fix yourself. When you are constantly trying to fix yourself, that's a red flag. That's a red flag. And you're going to see with Adam and Eve, whenever sin entered into the picture, their eyes were open and they realized that they were naked. They were naked the whole time. But their eyes were open to finally see that they were naked. What they're meaning is not they were, that, that their eyes were open to see that they were naked physically. Their eyes were open to see that now they're shame. Because wherever sin comes, shame comes. And so what do they do to try to fix the shame? Look what verse 7 says. It says, and so they sowed what? Fig leaves. Fig leaves. Question. Have any of y'all ever touched a fig leaf? How many know when you're so blind, you do stuff that's stupid? Like it could have been anything. I mean, they could have gone coconut. They could have gone, I mean, they could have gone something. You know, they could have gone at least oak leaf. I mean, something. They went with fig leaf. The most itchy, irritable, prickly. <laughs> I mean, they had access to all of these trees. I mean, they, they still chose to, to do the, the worst one. Which, by the way, oftentimes, that's, that's really what it looks like to God when we're trying to fix ourselves. They're, they're trying to fix themselves. They made these fig leaves together, and they made coverings for themselves. When, when something's broken in our life, our tendency is to try to hide or to, to fix ourselves. And the problem is, is that we're trying to fix internal issues by external means. Internal issues by external means. Like, let me give you some red flags. If you are always justifying your bad decisions, red flag, red flag, red flag. If you are always telling yourself that you're in control and you can quit at any moment, red flag, 
Red flag, red flag. If you have to drink something or take something every night to cope with life, red flag, red flag. If the only time you're happy is when you're in a relationship, red flag. Man, I don't, I, don't, I don't know why I can't get this relationship stuff to work out. It's maybe because there's issues with you, but you don't want to address you, so you want to just go put it off on somebody else, and you think that they're going to fix you, but they don't fix you, and so you go to the next one, and they don't fix you, and you go to the next one, and they don't fix you, and hey, maybe the issue's not with them. Exactly. Red flag. <laughs> Red flag. So <clears throat> I, I want to show you something. Watch this. Watch this. I'm going to do this. Here. Okay. Babe, come up. I'm going to. Y'all welcome my beautiful bride to the, to the stage. Okay, so I want, you to, I want you to see something here. So I've got red flags, okay? She's got red flags. All right, so before we were married, I had all my issues. Probably, hold on, let me see this. More like, more, let me see that. It's more like this. Okay, so this was... I had all my, all my things that I had to deal with in my life, my abandonment issues and my insecurity issues and my pride and my lust that I didn't have under control. And I've got all these things. And so if I buy into the lie that, you know what, I think she can fix that in me. And so you know what, we're going to get married. Well, guess what, what happens we now, the Bible says, the two become one. So now she got issues, not as many as mine, but she's got them, I've got them, and we start, we start trading them up, and so now we hold it, holding on to each other's issues. And how many know, when you get married, your issues don't go away, they multiply. Word on the street, just letting you know. Yeah, you give me the whole bag, I mean, it's like... Because if, listen, there's no such thing as single people issues and married people's issues. I mean, there's no such thing as married people's issues. There's single people that get married and you just have multiplied issues. So if I don't address the flags in me and begin to believe that she's gonna fix the flags in me and I'm gonna do with her, I'm gonna get really deceived because the only way that these get fixed is we bring these to the Lord. And as we bring these to the Lord, I mean, oh, he can fix these in our lives. We can't fix these. Any of y'all have the ability to change your spouse? Red flag, if you've tried. Red flag, okay? Now, you might believe that you can all day long, but good luck. Because I can't fix her, and she can't fix me. But watch this. Jesus can fix her. And Jesus can fix me. And so, so it's a red flag when I go, I can do this. I, can, I got myself. I can fix myself. Either we try to fix ourselves or we try to cover them up by acting like there actually is no flags. What you, what you, what you talking about? What you talking about? Hold my hand, girl. We got this. Come on, we good. We got this. What y'all talking about? This is dating for most of y'all right here. What you talking about? <laughs> I don't know what you thought. And then you get married, and it's like one at a time. They just start, they start coming. Oh, okay, you're going big, all right? So, well, if that, anything you can do, I can do better. Okay, so, so we just waving them all out in here. 
and then all of a sudden you say things like this, he changed. That's not the guy that I dated. Oh yeah, he was, he was just really good at this. And because love is blind, maybe some of this was out. Maybe some of this was all over here. It was all here. And all your friends were like, bad news, bad news. You're like, he loves me. I'm telling you, he loves me. He loves me. He loves me. Are y'all getting this? Okay. All right. I love you. You don't have any red flags. Okay. So So watch this. There's no such thing as married people issues. There's people issues that get worse in marriage. And so you're not going to fix this by you trying to just fix this stuff up. I'm just going to get better. I'm just going to do this. You're not. You're just not. And the sooner you can realize, first off, address the fact, okay, yeah, there are some, there are some deep daddy wounds in my heart. Okay, yeah, this, there is some deep insecurities in my heart. Okay, yes, yes, I, 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 I'm looking to a woman to fulfill everything in me. That's why I keep jumping from woman to woman to woman to woman because it seems like they just keep failing me. But it's not them. It's not them. It's you. So I'm putting an expectation on people that they can never meet. And then when they don't meet it, I try to fix it. But you just can't fix it. So that's a red flag. Let me give you number three. A number three red flag when it comes to red flags in me is this. When you run from God rather than to God, red flag. Red flag. Watch what happens. So their, their eyes are opened. The Bible says they realize that they're naked. So the first thing they try to do is let's try to figure out how we can cover this up to act like we're not naked. Okay? Okay, and if that wasn't good enough, let's, let's do this. And the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they, they what? They hid from the Lord. They hid from the Lord. Among the trees of the garden. Now look what verse nine says. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? And he answered, well, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and so I hid. They've always been naked. <laughs> I don't know, what are you, what are you talking about, you're, you're naked? You've always, no, 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 what he's saying is, no, there was never this shame thing, now there's shame. Shame's entered down. There's, there's shame in this. Listen, if you don't come to church because you feel unworthy, red flag. Red flag. And I know so many people that, man, I can't, I can't, I'm gonna clean myself up. I'm gonna fix this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get this all right. I'm just telling you, you're not. You're just not. You're not. When you blow it, you make a wrong decision. Instead of running to God, you run from God. It's a red flag. It's a red flag. You're dealing with a hard day at work, and instead of coming home and letting all that stress off to the Lord, you, you instead let off that stress in other ways. Red flag. Red flag. God is here. God wants to help. But if we're, if we're not careful, the things and the issues in our own lives, we can think somehow for some reason that we're not going to be able to do this. Now, watch this, though. If the fig leaves really covered their shame like they thought it was, why did they hide? 
if them fixing themselves was all good, why hide? It's because the fig leaves didn't fix anything. And so they hid anyways in these bushes. They made themselves this covering. And it wasn't just that they thought that their actions were wrong. They began to really believe that they themselves were wrong. And isn't it true that the way that the enemy work is the enemy will try to take something that you did and not just convince you that that was an action, but convince you that that's not who you are. So your relationship didn't work and it ended in divorce. And the enemy will try to now say, well, because of that, now you're disqualified from everything that God can ever do through you. It's not true. Maybe last night you struggled with pornography. Nobody else knows, but you know. So you walk in here with shame and you wonder, man, if someone really knew what I was really struggling with, man, they wouldn't love me. They wouldn't care for me. They wouldn't accept me. They wouldn't belong with me. God definitely wouldn't. I just want you to know, first off, God knows. You're not deceiving anybody but yourself. And so the only reason we run from God instead of running to God is because you don't know God. Because if you really knew God, you would understand he wants you to run to him, not run from him. Because watch this, because he's the only one who can fix the problem. And so we end up running to other things. We end up running to other people. We end up running to other uh, stuff. And the very presence that Adam and Eve longed for was the very presence that they were hiding from. And that's exactly what shame does. Shame causes us to run from the people we should be running to because of shame that's on us. And so we, we've, we've done something we shouldn't have done. We've, we've, and instead of running to God, we run from God. And I'm just here today to tell you, man, God says, come on, let's run, run to me. And, and you know what I love the most about this verse? Watch this. And this shows you how incredible our God is. They cover themselves in fig leaves. They run off to hide. And God doesn't just sit there and wait for them to come to him. Look what verse nine says. It says this, but the Lord God called to the man, where are you? Where are you? Where are you? I've shared this story before, but it's worth repeating. One of the things that we like to do in our house, I have three boys, and so when my boys were younger, now they're older, we don't do it as much, but when they were younger, we would always play hide-and-go-seek. It was something we absolutely loved to do. Everybody would go scatter out, and then in my family, we play hide-and-seek with the lights off. Come on, somebody. How many know? Because there needs to be terror and excitement all at the same time. <laughs> you want to get your kids to never sleep again, just do that, Okay. And then they would, go, they would go hide and then we would turn all the lights off and then dad's gotta come find them and all that stuff. Okay, so we would do all that. And so our, all our boys would go, well, my youngest son, Joel, at night before he goes to bed, he wears oxygen every night. He's been doing it now for eight years. Well, this, we have a cannula that's in our house that's probably 60 feet long. So it allows him to have oxygen on and still move around the house. Well, he would play hide and go seek with his oxygen on. So how many you know? It'd be like, one, two, three, ready or not, here I come. Here I come. Let's see. Where are you at? Where are you at? I know you got to be close. I got to get warm. Why? Look, there you are. And he'd be like, Dad, how you find me? How you find me? I don't know, man. I'm just good. I'm just really good. Really, really good. <laughs> hey, listen, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. Um, no, 
I'm kidding, that's a poor motto. Don't, that's not true. That's not true. That's not true. Hey, watch this. How many know God is the worst person to play hide and seek with? Because how many know, watch this, when God came into the garden and says, Adam, where are you? How many know God wasn't asking the question because he didn't know the answer? He was wanting to know, Adam, do you know where you are? So I'm going to ask that same question to all of you today. Because God says, hey, where are you? He's not asking that because he doesn't know where he is and he doesn't know where you are. He wants to know, do you know where you are currently right now? Do you know that you are in a place currently right now that you need him more than you ever needed him? Do you understand that right now? Do you understand that in this moment that God loves you so much that God's love doesn't wait for you to show up at the door broken? God's love is he will come find you. He will find your brokenness. He will find the hurting. He will find the loss. How many know the Bible says this? God goes after, leaves the 99 to find the one. He looks for the one. He tries to track you down. And today God is knocking on the door of your heart going, where are you? Will you open the door? Will you let me in? I got all these flags. I got all of these issues. I got all this stuff. I'm naked. I got all this shame. He says, I know. That's why I'm here. Because I love you and I want to help you. And we're, we're hiding. God, no, no, no. He's going, come on. Come on. Come on. I know where you're at. But watch this, watch this. But God can't help you until you acknowledge where you're at. Pride says, I've got it. Pride says, I can do this. Pride says, I don't need nobody. Pride says, I'll fix myself up. Pride says, how many know, but humility says, I need the grace of God. I'm grateful for the forgiveness of God. I need him in my life. And until he's first place in my life, I realize my life will be out of chaos and everything that I do. God, I need you. God, here I am. God, here I am. All broken, all hurting, all raggedy, but God, I'm yours because you made me, and from the beginning of time, you made me to be in relationship with you, and God, I believe the lie, and God, I was deceived, but God, I return to you because I realize I can't hide anymore. How many of you know, listen to me very closely, hiding is exhausting. If you're hiding all your text messages, it's exhausting. If you're hiding all your Instagram photos, it's exhausting. If you're hiding all your messaging, it's exhausting. If you're coming to church and acting like someone that you actually are not, it's exhausting. Be you. All broken, hurting you. Walk into this place, someone says, how you doing? Don't go like, oh, blessed and highly favored. No, you can say, not good. We fought on the way here. One of my child was about to die on the way here. I just want to let you know. That's one of, they were about to die. I cussed out my coworkers this week. I, I'm not saying I didn't do that. I just want y'all to know. I could never do that to Bridget. Okay, I could never do that to you. Uh, but are, are y'all with me? Church is the only place where Halloween goes on all year long. Can we just... Can we just take the mask off for a moment and go, this relationship ain't as good as it is. I'm not doing as well as I pose myself to be. However fly your Instagram and Facebook looks like, that ain't real. That ain't real. Don't fall for that. That ain't real. That's people hiding and covering. 
So today is the day before we dive into all these other relationships. We've got to ask ourselves, are we doing this? Look what Hebrews 4.13 says. It says, nothing in all of creation is hidden from God. Everything. Everybody say everything. Everything. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes. And he is the one whom we're accountable. Number four, red flag in us is when you blame others rather than taking ownership. Red flag. Red flag. Can never say you're sorry. Red flag. Every time you get dressed with what's going on in your heart, you point it to somebody else. Red flag. Red flag. When you are so easy at pointing out everybody else's problems but can't see your own, red flag. When someone comes to you and is always talking about other people, red flag. Because if they can talk about other people like that in your presence, guess what they say about you when you're not present? When, when we blame others rather than take ownership, and look, we, listen, we have our ancestors, Adam and Eve, to thank for this. They modeled this for us because when God walks onto the stage and God says, where are you? And they say, oh, we were hiding because we're afraid of you. We were naked. And look at verse 11 says, verse 11 says this, and when he said, well, who told you that you're naked? Have you eaten from that tree that I commanded you not to eat from? And the man said, come on, say it out loud. You've been wanting to say it. Say it. The what? Come on, say it out. Men, say it. You've been wanting to say it. Okay, all right. The woman. That woman that you put here with me, I went to bed and I woke up and I had a one rib, rib that was gone and now I got this woman standing in front of me. If you wouldn't have given me that woman, we wouldn't be here today, God. Watch this, watch this, watch this. Not only, well, let me, let me finish it. She gave me some of that fruit from the tree and I ate it. And watch, and the next verse, then the Lord God said, okay, to the woman, what is this that you've done? Now notice he is directing to each one of them individually. He's dealing with the red flags in each of them. He didn't say, what have y'all done? He said, Adam, what did you do? That woman you gave me. Okay, let me go to her. Hey, Eve, what did you do? And she says, well, that, well, that serpent, that, 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 that serpent had deceived me, and I ate it. Watch, I want you to see something here. This is huge here. Because what ends up happening in relationships often is that the red flags that are in our lives, the issues that we have in our lives, if we don't address them how we should, we get married, we get this doubled up now, we got all these issues that are going on, okay, in our lives. I want you to see how this plays out. The problem is when you get married and you have undealt issues and undealt sin in your life, just give it about six months and you'll start blaming them for them. So you dealt with anger when you were single. You dealt with porn addictions when you were single. You dealt with, with stress and putting other people and idolizing them when 
you were single, but then you got married and now you just say things like, well, if you wouldn't push me to the brink, I wouldn't drink. Really? Well, well, if, 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 if we would be together more often, then I, I wouldn't have this porn addiction. Really? So what ends up happening is instead of taking ownership over our own flags and our own life, we just begin to start pointing it to somebody else when it was really always your issue to begin with, but now you just have someone close to you that you can blame it on. And listen, you don't have to train your kids in this, by the way. How many of you know your kids are pretty good at this as well? Who did this? She did it. She did it. Did any of y'all have to train your kids how to blame other people? No. Nope. That sinful condition inside of us, we, we learn how to do that stuff real quick. Well, if she wouldn't have done this, if he wouldn't have done this, listen to me closely. You have to begin with starting with what is wrong in me. I want everybody to just to do this symbolically. I just want you to draw a circle just around you right now, just around you. And here's the prayer. God, start with me. God, start with me. Well, Pastor Josh, you don't know her issues. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Because I just know you've got a lot too. I know I've got a lot too. And God, may it, may it start here with me. You keep praying, God change them, and God's going, where are you, Adam? Where are you? So I wanna end today with giving you the bad news, the worst news, and the good news. Here's the bad news. The bad news is everybody's got red flags. Everybody's got red flags. That's somewhat good news because first off, you know that you're not alone, but it's bad news because what Romans 3, 23 says that for everyone, everybody say everyone. Everyone has, everybody's got sin. Everybody's got sin. Everybody struggles. Everybody falls short of the glorious standard of God. Everybody in this room, that's the bad news. Everybody, everybody in here, all of us. So what joins us together is everybody in here has got flags. Whether you hide them, whether you cover them, whether you act like you don't have them, you got them. And I've got them. That's the bad news. The worst news is you can't fix the flags. You can't fix it yourself. Now, of course, there's decisions that we can make that will help. But it first just comes with recognizing that you can't fix it. Religion can't fix it. Good deeds can't fix it. Church can't fix it. Nothing that you can do can fix the issues on the inside. We cannot take external means to fix internal issues. You need a change of heart. You need a change of mind. There's nothing you can externally do to do those things. And the gospel is not what you do. It's what Jesus has done. 
So listen, listen, we don't get into Christianity because now we need to try to go do good things. We need to try to do these things to earn God's favor, to earn God's forgiveness, to earn God's second chance. No, 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 you don't, you don't do things to earn those things. You receive those things. God does it already for you. How many are you grateful for that? Jesus was perfect when you couldn't be perfect. Jesus did things that you couldn't do. Jesus went to a cross that you and I should have bared. And this is what it says in Romans, uh, in Galatians 3.11. So it is clear that, say it again, say it again. It is clear that no one can be made right with God by trying to keep the law. By trying, I'm just, I'm just gonna be better. I'm just gonna stop this. No one can do it. That's the worst news. Here's the good news. Good news is that God did for you what you can't do for yourself. God did for you what you couldn't do for yourself. Genesis 3:21. Let's go back to the Adam and Eve story. Look what God does. They blew it. They blew it. They blew it bad. They're naked. They have shame. They have guilt. And look at God's response. Not only does he go and track them down to, to say that there's nothing you can do that can hide you from me, I will find you because I love you, but I'm gonna go another step further and I'm gonna take the shame and I'm gonna take the guilt and I'm gonna take all that and you're gonna take off all these nasty fig clothes and I'm gonna put some new clothes on you. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and he, and he clothed them. He clothed them. This is called grace, y'all. This is called grace, that God does for you and I what we can't do for ourselves. God gives us grace clothes. He clothes us. Notice he didn't use a fruit and he didn't use a leaf. He used something of permanence. He went and he shed the, the blood of a lamb, took the skin from the lamb and made clothes for them, clothed them in this. And for Adam and Eve to be covered, the lamb had to be uncovered. He had to die. The skin was torn off. And this is a picture of what Jesus was going to do when he came years and years and years down the road, that Jesus would become this. Now, if you go and you read Romans 5, look at this. Romans 5, 18 and verse 21, it says this. Yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone. So the first Adam brought condemnation for everybody. But the second Adam, Christ, his one act of righteousness, looks this, brings a right relationship with God. And listen, is, this is the best news ever. And new life for everyone. New life for everyone. Look what verse 21 says. Verse 21 says, so just as sin ruled over all the people and brought them to death, now God's wonderful grace rules instead, giving us right standing with God, resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. This is good news. What the one Adam did to bring condemnation and shame and death and guilt into the world, the one obedience of Jesus who is our second Adam brought life and forgiveness and grace and hope and healing. And today, you and I are either standing in the first Adam or we're standing in the second Adam because when you stand before God, you only got two choices. You bring your own self to God, all tried to be fixed up, but listen, that doesn't get you forgiveness. That doesn't get you grace. That doesn't actually fix anything. 
thing. Or you can do what the Bible says. We step into the second Adam and he clothes us with his righteousness and we put on his righteousness and his goodness. And so when God looks at us, he doesn't see the condemnation and the nakedness and the shame and the guilt. He sees the robes of righteousness. He sees perfection. He sees God's son and he says, this is my son and daughter who I am well pleased. Adam was tempted once and he failed. Jesus was tempted three times and succeeded every single time. Adam's sin brought death, guilt, and condemnation. Jesus' perfect life brought life, righteousness, and forgiveness. Adam and Eve disobeyed God, ate from a tree, and eventually died. But Jesus obeyed God, hung on a tree, and gave life. I will end with this. Until God is in his proper place in my life, no one else will ever be. No one else will ever be. Until God is in his perfect, in the, in the, in the proper place in my life. Let me tell you why I shared this message first. Listen to me. Here's why I shared this message week one. Because until God is first place, everybody else will be in the wrong place. Everybody else will be in the wrong place. Your kids will be in the wrong place. Your spouse will be in the wrong place. Your friendships will be in the wrong place because I'm trying to put things on people that only God can give me. But when God is in his rightful place, how many know then I can put people in their rightful place in my life? When God is in his right place, I can enjoy this marriage. When Lindsay is in God's place, this marriage is just is terrible. It's terrible. Today is a message for all of us in this room to draw the circle around us and say, God, start with me. Start with me. God, what are the, what are the flags that you're trying to wave right now to get my attention? What are those things? Before I go into this relationship, what is it? Maybe you're in a marriage right now and there's just flags going off. It looks like, it looks like some big old cheerleading celebrations going off in your house. I'm telling you, listen, you can ignore it all day long, but, but we read the theme verse, you will suffer consequences. So it's better for us just to acknowledge it. And before I go and try to point out all your flags, let me let God do what he wants to do in mine. Which, by the way, when God addresses my flags, it's amazing how he starts addressing everybody else's. So today, I want us to do what Paul said. He says, I die daily. John the Baptist says, I must increase, I must decrease so that he might increase. So I want us to do this. If you're just sitting there, would you just stretch your hands out? I just wanna have open hands today. If you're online right there, wherever you're sitting, you can just, just open hands, just for this, this, mo this one moment. Can we just open up with open hands? These hands symbolize the posture of our heart right now. God, give me open eyes to see as you see. Give me open ears to hear what you're trying to speak to me. God, give me an open heart to receive what you're wanting to give to me today. Would you just say this out loud? Say, God, I repent of trying to fix myself. I repent 
of not putting you on the throne of my life. I surrender my kids, my marriage, my life, my purposes, my sin, my shame, my guilt. I give these to you. Thank you for your forgiveness, for your grace, for sending Jesus to do for me what I couldn't do for myself. I turn from doing life, from putting myself in the first place. And today, I make Jesus the first place of my life. From this moment forward, I surrender my life to you. I surrender these relationships to you. Holy Spirit, work in me. Speak to me. Change me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, let's celebrate Jesus in his house. Listen, if you made that as a first-time declaration, the Bible says that that's actually the beginning of being born again, that we surrender our lives to Jesus. He takes our sin and our shame, and he gives us the the trade-off of righteousness, life, peace, and hope. But today's message really is a lordship message. And a lordship message means that Jesus is Lord. If Jesus is not Lord of all, he is not Lord at all. And so today we just recognize, God, I just want you to be the Lord of all and all that we have. Hey, at this time, I want to invite um, Carrie Broussard to come up here. Y'all give it up for Carrie. Carrie's going to come up here real quick. And um, we've been ending all of our services today. It's on all of our service today just with sharing a little bit of what God's been doing in this house and uh, how he's been changing lives in the context of life groups. We launched our life groups last semester. We have, I think, almost 38 life groups going on right now this semester for you to get in. If you're not getting in, I encourage you to get one. But Carrie, why don't you just share a little bit, just a brief story of just what God's done over the last, how long have you been coming here? 2015. Okay, so going on eight years, seven, seven, eight years. Um, so, man, what's, tell us a little bit of what has it been like since you've come, what, what Jesus has done in your heart, and how life groups maybe well, I can tell you the first time I came is Miss Susan um, Gary <laughs> invited me when she was my neighbor. Well, I came. I did not like it. I'm serious. It was a small congregation. I tell us how like you it. really feel. <laughs> I'm telling you. <laughs> That's a, um, I did not like it. I mean, I come from Catholic background. I come to worship. People had questions. Some of them had two questions. I'm serious. It was like I was like, whoa. <laughs> well, I, I I didn't. Well, I was working by Walmart, and Pastor Josh. I actually was in Walmart. Pastor Josh came. He had said, "Hey, man, I seen your church." I said, "How you liked it?" Told him. He said, "Give me come back one more week." So I said, oh, "Man, word." I came back. PJ, um, that service said. Go all in. Join a life group. Go pay your tithes. Pay, go all in. Join a dream team. I did for one year. And never been the same. I mean, uh, I met my best friend, Scott. They say we're twins. I mean, y'all ever watch twins? I'm Arnold Schwarzenegger. He's Danny DeVito. Well, of course. 
<laughs> so I mean, <laughs> but uh, but then you know we had life groups together, brotherhood. I mean that's like the best thing. He actually taught my daughter. Didn't even realize my daughter was telling me about him and just mm. how things connected. Then I joined Miss Dana and Mr. Davis group. That's like my spiritual parents. Love them. They just join a life group, get involved, go all in. I'm telling you, it's worth it. Praise God. Praise God. Love it, man. Thank you. Last week, we talked about Purpose Partners, and Carrie, Carrie would not know that one step to just come back would lead to the next step, which would lead to the next step, which would lead to the next step. And so, man, just, we just encourage you to take whatever that next one is. Not big ones, just small ones. Maybe for you, it's your big next step is just come back next week. That's your next step. Maybe for you, it's to get in a life group. You've been coming for a long time. You've never gotten one. Maybe just get in one. Maybe it's for you to go through next step. Maybe, maybe it's for you just to come up and let someone pray for you. I don't know. Everybody's got a different step. But I just encourage you just to take the next one. That's what this church is all about, just helping you take the next one. Following Jesus is just that, us just taking steps. I have a next step. And every morning we wake up, we just take that next one, whatever that next one is that God's calling us to do. So I want you to do this. Would you just stand all over this place? I want to first off say thank you so much for those who are giving generously. If you're giving today... Um, there are uh, giving boxes in the back. You can give that way or you can give online. Some of you, so many of you give online. We have almost probably close to 70% of you give online. And uh, so thank you so much for giving uh, the way that you do. It's just incredible what God is doing through that. And uh, we'll, we'll share more of what God is doing in the weeks to come through your generosity. But thank you. You'll see on the, on, the, on the screen different ways that you can give. Those that are watching online, thank you for giving the way that you do. I want to pray a blessing over you. And I want to invite our prayer team to come forward. And uh, we'll dismiss you today. Father, we love you. God, we dedicate this, this whole service to you. But God, I thank you that this isn't just a service. We are here because we wanted to meet with you, and you're here. And so, God, I pray, Lord, that you would fill them, refresh them, speak to them. And I thank you now that now that as we leave this building, you don't leave. You go with us. And so, Holy Spirit, fill your people. Use them. God, whether they're going to a restaurant or going back home, God, just use them. Even today, just remind them of how much you love them. God, we just thank you for your grace and your forgiveness. Lord, we receive all of that. Lord, let us walk in our identity of who we are as sons and daughters of God. Lord, we thank you for that. Lord, we love you in Jesus' name. Bless every person today as they give, Lord. God, I pray, Lord, that they would be bountiful in their generosity. And God, that you would get more to them so you could do more even through them. We pray that today in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Hey, we love you.